0: At World Time Attack Challenge, arguably one of the more competitive classes is the open class. There's a wide range of different car manufacturers and chassis running and as we see each year, the times keep tumbling. We're here with Benjamin from Benchmark Solutions to find out a little bit more about the global aircraft services Evo 9. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech filled interviews with some of the industry's most well known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. Now this car is no stranger to the pointy end of open class, I believe it won open class three years ago, second and a third somewhere in there as well. For a start, what's the fastest lap time it's run around Eastern Creek here? Uh, From memory we're looking
1: around a mid 25 from memory so several years ago uh, when it won and then it's been within the first three to four ever since.
0: Now it's really hard when we're talking about lap times, for people outside of Australia not used to Eastern Creek, obviously that means nothing. To give it some perspective, uh, currently here today the fastest uh, outright competitors run a 1 minute 19.27, so you know, that's 5 or 6 seconds there, sounds like a lot but you know this is a, in, in doubt, undoubtedly a very fast car. But what I want to talk about is the changes because what we see with World Time Attack is every year competitors' teams are pushing the boundaries further and further, trying to find that next little iterative improvement. So what has been focused on on the car since last year?
1: So uh, since last year, the engine package has been updated, uh, transmission, uh, a small electronics upgrade, um, some not a massive aero upgrade but just some refinement to the existing package that's on there. Um, the car was scanned uh, and then some aero changes made for, for this year for testing uh, and then a fairly significant suspension upgrade as well.
0: All right, so we'll go back and unpack a few of those aspects there. I want to start with the engine, and obviously we've seen power levels rise year after year, and that's the teams again chasing those improvements and lap time. Uh, so let's find out what is the engine itself. Obviously, four G sixty three, but what what capacity are you running? Uh, so
1: it's a two point two stroker, um, MiVac variable cam engine, uh, cast block still, uh, not not billet on, on this engine, uh, heavily ported head, two eighty plus cams. Uh, we're running the ninety two eighty. Borg Warner Turbo, the new EFR Black Series. Uh, so yeah, it's
0: all right. We'll come back and talk about that turbo as well because that's interesting to me. The engine being a cast iron block. you know, we're seeing that's pretty unusual now at the pointy end of any of the World Time Attack uh, classes. What's the impetus there? Why why not go the bullet? Uh, it's 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 proven. It's it's tried and proven.
1: Uh, this this car started with a new block this year uh, just to make sure there was no potential issues with metallurgy and things with, with an older block. So it started with a brand new Evo Nine block. Uh, and then the changes were made internally. It's got a custom billet crank, um, the billet rods, pistons, every, everything custom to suit what what it what and to
0: get it up to that uh, yeah. 2.2 capacity.
1: Yeah, 2.2 capacity. Um, so that way, it's it's a compromise between uh, the billet blocks. Are, whilst great, you don't see a lot of 4G63 ones running around, particularly in time attack, like a continual circuit. A lot in drag, uh, but we feel there's not enough proven testing results in in the longer fields of, of then, then like 10 to 15 seconds of running.
0: Yeah I think it, it is important to understand that while yes the bullet 4G63 blocks are proven to now 2000 plus horsepower, yeah. it's very different running a 6 second pass down the drag strip to, to several laps around a racetrack. Yeah, exactly. so, uh, in terms of power level and boost level, what are you, what are you at here? Uh, so we've come out today
1: being all new package in every area, We've uh, it's turned up to about 30, 31 psi, just over, yeah so 30, 31 pound, uh, power wise around the five hundred kilowatt, five, five, ten
0: kilowatt. So. All right, so that in terms of the other competitors in the field, yeah. which are up around that seven hundred kilowatt yeah. mark, you're definitely not really pushing, it and well within the bounds of the uh, the, the factory cast block. From my own experience, there. Uh, so, is this just a effect of running out of time? I believe you're only on the dyno last night.
1: Yeah, so we are uh, being a new build. There was just some delay on some of the parts, being everything's custom. Uh, so the the car basically came together started this week. And then, as usual, time attack fun. And uh, hit the dyno on Thursday night. A few troubleshooting things to sort out. Back on the dyno last night, uh, about 10 p.m., finished at about midnight. Uh, got to the car to a level where we could be competitive. Um, set the gearbox up and go out, and then we'll turn up the car once we get some data from the track.
0: Back on to the turbo side of things. So you said you're running the, the new EFR BorgWarner 9280. So that's a turbo that is still relatively little data around on, can you give us your interpretation of the upsides and downsides with that turbo? Uh, Yeah, it doesn't seem to be too many downsides
1: at the moment um, compared to that this car was running the 9180 last year, so kind of going to the next bigger brother, the new iteration. Uh, On paper, a compressor map is 20% roughly, give or take, uh, more efficient with same turbine, Um, running the 1.45 turbine housing, um, T4 twin scroll like usual. Turbo outlet temps are very impressive, dropped quite significantly from, from similar boost levels. So on paper, the compressor is yeah, working really well. Um, makes about 360 pound. Sorry, 360 kilowatts at about 15, 16 pound for a small capacity engine wheel blown away. It wouldn't be a bad street combo. Oh, it's just with that with the paddle shift, this is ridiculous.
0: And where are you seeing full boost on that ninety two eighty? Uh, about the five fifty two hundred mark. And you're revving it to uh, 88 today. and then So particularly particularly with that paddle shifted box, given there's there's no need to lift off the throttle, it's just an ignition cup for the yep. gear shift, yep. that means that there's, there's basically seamless power?
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's dropping from about, 3, about 315, 320 kPa to about 260 on shifts. So yeah, it's
0: good. All right, so... That brings me to the next point though because when you're running what is still a relatively large compressor on a small capacity engine, one of the problems is getting them on boost but of course once you're on boost, you can actually run into problems if you drop too low in the engine RPM and you can run that compressor into surge. You've got quite a unique way of dealing with that, can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah so this car's running a small uh, 32 mil Bosch driver wire. Um, throttle body, it's actually being used like an electronic blow-off valve or like a bypass valve on the, the high compression side of the intercooler, so the turbo outlet side. And what's, what it's designed for is there's the mapping in the ECU is kind of looking at uh, basically compressor mapping from the data coming in. Uh, and then we're required to bypass the surge line, pretty much just bleeding boost off using the valve. Um, it'll just crack open, bleed it out, sling the turbo past the, the compressor surge area
0: uh, based on turbo speed and then just slam the, sh- the valve shut and away you go. That's a pretty smart solution. I, I like it. Yeah, it's probably a good point to, to talk about the electronics package there and, and I know you've got a lot going on but yeah, yeah. let's just start with the engine management system. What's it running? Yeah, so this runs an Emtron
1: KV8 uh, in East engine ECU um, tuned by Scott Kuhner at Insight.
0: Insight. Yeah. Uh, so. So that whole package—the the engine and the tune, the ECU—that's all come from Scott. Uh, you're involved in some other aspects of the electronics of the car, so you can talk us through what else is in yeah. the car to make it run. Sure. So we were involved with um just had to update the wiring
1: loom. Uh, it's a bit of a work in progress this year, but uh, we just made a fairly substantial upgrade to cover the new sensors for the new engine package. Um, the car was converted from cable to drive by wire. Uh, paddle shift was active added, so there's the, the pump and the paddles and all the inputs regarding for that. We're running a PDM 15 for
0: power distribution. So for those who aren't aware, PDM power distribution module, so essentially a solid-state electronics yeah. package to get rid of fuses fuse and relays. Box.
1: Yep, electronic fuse box. So everything uh, sensor-wise goes into the dash, the ECU, or the PDM, uh, and then the relevant decisions are made regarding which 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 means it needs to make the right decisions, and then the PDM is running the fuel pumps, it's running the compressor, it's running um, all the engine functions, uh, dash, suspension things, yeah, so...
0: In terms of that, you've now you've just mentioned you've got the the KV8 ECU, you've got the the Motec dash, uh, all of the information. The nice thing is that while one is an Mtron brand, the other is a Motec brand. These days, uh, it really doesn't matter because we've got CAN communication, so all of the data can be sent from the ECU to the Motec dash. So, what are you using for a central logging location, or are you using multiple? Yeah, so the.
1: Engine parameters itself, because that's handled in a package from Insight, they're looking after that. Uh, We see all those parameters coming across to the dash as a central logger in this case. And then we're getting suspension inputs, PDM and and load and current inputs, um, engine core engine function inputs, um, and just driver inputs from brakes and suspension and steering angles and so
0: now, you, you mentioned there that you've added a lot of sensors in the run-up to World Time Attack. Can you just briefly sort of tell us what sensors have gone onto it and, and kind of like what the drive for those additional sensors have been?
1: Yeah, so we're kind of mapping the whole uh, com- compressor map or turbodynamics as it's often known. Uh, so we've got a, a pressure and temp on the inlet pipe into the turbo, um, pressure and temp on the outlet uh, of the turbo outlet hot side, uh, and then a pressure and temp in before the throttle body, uh, so on the turbo side. Um, We're running a coolant pressure and temp in and out of the radiator uh, and running
0: EGTs in each cylinder. So, yeah. Just about everything you can have. Now, uh, Without getting too far into the suspension as well, uh, because that's probably a little bit beyond that, the scope of our, our video here, uh, I do want to just talk about some of the sensors that you've added around the suspension and some of the ones that will be added as well. Can you talk to us about those?
1: Yeah, so we're running the non-contact rotary um, suspension sensors from MoTeC.
0: So these are for shock travel or yeah, damper shock. position?
1: Yep. So uh have a few benefits compared to the traditional shock pots we've found. Uh, a little bit less sensitive, um, a little bit more sturdy, and about a third of the price. So uh, they're mounted just off a turnbuckle rod off the sway bar, uh, and they read the suspension travel position. Uh, so,
0: which another couple of advantages are those. They are waterproof yeah. and, uh, yeah. Uh, you quite often find with the shock travel potentiometers, the linear ones, when they're bolted to a, a, a shock, and all it takes is a mechanic to to take a suspension arm out and leave everything hanging off the shock pot, and yeah. it doesn't end too well. So, given the price, <laughs> not not a great option. Um, all right. So, in terms of the development of the car for this year, you've also mentioned that you've gone to a paddle shifter transmission. Let's talk to us about what that is. What what, what model you've got in there? Okay. So, transmission is from Hollinger
1: Engineering in Melbourne. Uh, it's the MFE9 uh, Evo Lancer transmission. That bolt-on tranny, uh, has a custom ratio set to suit the engine RPM and the aero load and the speed of the car um, that's been determined by the engineers there. So, yeah, Hollinger transmission, um, their Hollinger paddle shifter kit, uh, their solenoids, pretty much their, their whole kit.
0: And their paddle shift all controlled through the um, Emtron kv
1: Yep, yep, all through the ECU. So the input from the compressor pump, paddles inputs, gear position inputs, and then the ECU determines what to do.
0: Now on top of that you've also got a centre differential that defines torque output front and rear, Uh, is that electronically controlled or are you mechanical there? No, so that's running
1: uh, a MoTeC MDC, Uh, it was doing the job so it's still in there, it just takes the uh, four wheel speed inputs, um, diff pressure, G sensors and the driver position steering input and then it just makes a clamp to your centre diff and yeah.
0: Alright look, great to get some insight on the car Benjamin and it's uh, fairly early in the day here on Saturday so still some more running to go hopefully work through the, uh, the teething issues that every, every new build has and we wish you all the best for the rest of the day, thanks. No worries, thank you mate. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel so make sure you subscribe.